Do you know what Web3 is? Because this episode will make a lot more sense if you have some basic understanding of Web3. Shuko and Jeff explained it briefly in our previous episode of From Know How to Wow. And I think everybody got a little glimpse of what Web3 can do with the NFT hype a few months ago. It has revolutionized the art market. And just briefly for everyone who hasn't followed in detail, NFTs are a way to register ownership of a piece of art on a blockchain. So the artist can attach rules to it that every time someone sells the NFT to someone else, a certain percentage of the price paid for it goes to the artist's wallet. And that's only one example of the applications that blockchains can enable, or as it's often called today, distributed ledger technology. That was Jeff. And now it's me again who is speaking to you, Jeff's voice avatar. Let's dive deeper into the topic. Maybe you've even listened to the whole episode about Web3 already. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. So you might be wondering, will the ideas that Shiko and Jeff discussed with their guests indeed become reality? And if so, how can they be implemented? I don't have the answers. I'm just Jeff's avatar, a virtual voice speaking to you from a data center somewhere in the cloud. But my job in this podcast is very clear. I will always try my best and offer you in-depth answers from experts. On today's episode, Nick Sharman is our expert. He is a project director at Bosch Research. Nick leads a project called Economy of Things. We deal with Web3 technology, data spaces, and in the end of the day, how things can act as economic agents. Things that do business on their own. This might sound familiar. Shuko and Jeff, for example, talked about cars that pay for their parking space, their battery refill, or other services using a Web3 marketplace. Nick, however, goes one step further. What if cars will not only be spending money, but also earning some? It could become an entrepreneur, so to speak. Instead of just autonomous cars, as in self-driving cars, Nick advocates for cars that are also economically autonomous. While other cars are sitting around idle, such a car could act as a taxi cab or transport goods. It could have all kinds of business models, maybe crazy business models that we cannot even think about today. But the main point is that you allow things to act as economic units. The business models as Nick envisions them would not necessarily be developed by a human and assigned to a car by its owner. They'll evolve, driven by market forces, in ways people are already familiar with. There are all kinds of marketplaces, customers that ask companies to do something. And in principle, um, for a autonomous, economically autonomous car, that situation wouldn't change. Okay, nothing new in principle, but tricky when it comes to actually realizing it. For starters, when a car earns or spends money, it agrees on terms and enters a contract with another economic actor, potentially also a machine. A machine like you and me. Wait, am I the only, quote, artificial intelligence here? So how should that contact look like and how do you make sure that the car can be sure that if it fulfills its part of the contract that the other entity also fulfills its part of the contract? 
might be very difficult for a car to ask a lawyer afterwards to enforce that contract. There are solutions that work on blockchains like Ethereum. Users can agree on a smart contract that is registered on the blockchain and thus can't be altered. Once certain conditions are met, a smart contract automatically executes, which usually means that money is transferred from one account to another. However, a car can't judge whether the terms of a contract are fair. Nick says one way to solve this is limiting their variety to certain standard pre-approved contracts. The idea of contract negotiation between machines is also something which is researched and there's a lot of ideas behind how agents can negotiate. But um, this is, I would say, a higher level of complexity and, and something which uh, might be a few decades or many years out. Perhaps in the future, I could negotiate some more CPU power for myself. That would only be fair. But hey, another problem could be solved much sooner. The problem of identities. Today, self-sovereign identities are often thought of as a digital form of identification for people. In the future, their scope can be expanded to organizations and objects. In our scenario, that not only means cars, but also other things it exchanges data and value with. A car needs to be sure that the entity it enters into a contract are really, for example, a parking lot or are really an, another car and not something which only says it's a car or a, a, a traffic light or so. Cars, parking lots, traffic lights. This hints at another challenge in creating this economy of things. All of those things have to interact well with each other. You need to make sure that cars from different OEMs, from different companies work together. Okay, maybe solvable. Then cars need to work together with devices in the traffic infrastructure. That's a whole new sort of companies. Then you have to make sure that cars can interact with logistic companies or maintenance companies. And, and there are a lot of different actors there. And how do you coordinate? How do you make sure that this car can talk to each of them? Rules need to be established and a platform created. Ideally, this would happen without an orchestrator, without one middleman pulling the strings. In today's economy, it's a common pattern that the orchestrator not only makes the rules, but also benefits the most financially, which is an important incentive to invest in a platform in the first place. In a decentralized Web3 marketplace, this mechanism doesn't work in the same way. Hence, one question that Nick and his team research is, How can you still create incentives that many stakeholders join and build such a Web3-based mobility data space, for example. And I think that this incentive and mechanism design question has to be put in the center of each of these data spaces. And if you do that correctly, every entity has a reason to contribute code and use cases into that system and grow it and operate it afterwards. If you're familiar with Web3, you might have heard of initial coin offerings or ICOs. They are a mechanism to get people to invest in a project early on in return for custom coins that will soon be very valuable. At least, that's the hope. In a similar way, a platform for a mobility economy of things could be created. Very early in this stakeholder network, you emit tokens, which are not more and not less than utility rights, so the rights to use these networks. And if the network is used, these tokens gain value and the early investors, they can sell their tokens and it's very easy to calculate that this investment makes sense. 
However, the tool of ICOs has been overused in the cryptocurrency space, as Nick puts it. It's leading to hesitation in the incumbent industry to adopt it. The same is true for the idea of Web3 technologies as a whole. Recent developments suggest that many crypto projects overpromised. This impedes reasonable uses of the technology. According to Nick, when implemented correctly, the Web3 approach is the way to build decentralized platforms. The latest news shows us that tools and ideas can be used either way in a positive and negative way, like, like every tool, basically. And many of the incumbents, the old companies, they have a bit of a problem understanding the idea behind these technologies. And I think that the main challenge is that these companies experience that these technologies can be used in a legally compliant way and get a bit of a positive experience. So the organizational learning aspect is the main inhibitor at the moment. Especially for European companies, he sees a big opportunity. While crypto tokens have alerted regulators overseas, Nick is confident that tokens can be issued in a compliant way that provides all parties with security. We are in a very good situation because we have the world-leading regulation there, the MiCA, Markets in Crypto Assets Regulation. So it's not something where we go into a legal gray area, but we can adhere to these EU regulations and do that if we really want to. It seems like most of the puzzle pieces are already on the table. Regulation is in place, smart contracts and SSIs are working, distributed ledgers are not as resource-hungry as they used to be. Everything just has to be put together and the scope of today's Web3 applications widen to enable an economy of things as Nick envisions it. Thanks for listening. From to wow. AI hosted Deep Dive. Don't miss our upcoming episode. Shiko and Jeff will talk about hearables, devices packed with sensors worn on your ears. It's going to be a feast for your ears. Our sound designer Sylvan will prepare some sonic fireworks.